Good evening and welcome to the Tuesday evening podcast for Tuesday, April the 18th, but probably posting on Wednesday, April the 19th. In the background, Steve Earls, Copperhead Road. Recorded in 1988, I can't believe it's been that long. It's a really, really, really good album. And this is an excellent song. Now, I don't have a mixing board, so I'll just fade it out a little bit here with the volume. Boy, if you get the chance, if you get the opportunity, pull up Spotify, which is uh, what I was using here, and check out Steve Earle's Copperhead Road. Uh, it's a great album, and uh, the title song from that album is uh, something that I uh, actually discussed uh, last... Last week, I, I guess, I went to went to lunch with a new friend of mine, and I'll uh, probably get into that here in a, a bit, uh, to start the evening off. Well, I guess, uh, hey, good to talk to you again. <clears throat> if, uh, if you follow along with the podcast, and I really appreciate it if you do, uh, at least two people do, because I've gotten messages from two people to say... Hey, what's uh, what's with not having a podcast? What's uh, what's with you going every other week? Uh, truthfully, I I think I got just got a little burned out, and I realized that I was uh, making content for the sake of making content and not trying to add anything to the conversation. And I I didn't uh, I didn't want to do that, so I took uh, really a, about a month off. I think that's the last time that I recorded something that was just me talking to my computer to be posted at a. Uh, you know, to date sometime in the future. Two weeks ago, I had uh, the guys from Q on the line, which is great. I, I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed, you know, chatting with them. And, you know, anytime Kevin Brittingham gets on a gets on a rant, that's always a, a good thing. So a couple of, uh, of administrative items. I, uh, I, I have a, a very close friend of mine. He's actually a former manager of, of mine from, from the day job. And, uh, he recently took a job up here in Austin. So he's been commuting back and forth, uh, from San Antonio, which is a, a fairly long drive. And he'd asked me about a podcast that he should listen to. And I jokingly said, well, you should definitely listen to my podcast. Um, but here's a, you know, a list of a couple others that are, you know, obviously much better than the stuff that I produce. Um, but he actually, you know, took it to heart. He started at the very beginning and he's been, you know, making his way, uh, kind of slug, or I guess he, he started at the end and started working his way backwards. Um, and, uh, you know, it's about a two hour drive, uh, each direction. So he's spending four hours a day on the road, which means he's burning through a lot of the content that I've made, which is awesome. Um, and he asked me, he said, Hey, what happened with the sausage closet? You haven't updated. And, uh, you know, I'd hoped that I'd never have to discuss it again, but here I am. I, uh, it actually just clicked on over there. I'm staring at the, uh, the old faded device right now. Uh, here's what happened. The sausage closet is a refrigerator and it, uh, it has a lot of devices inside of it and a lot of controllers to help manage, uh, humidity and temperature, which are two of the most important things necessary for, uh, long-term curing of meats. So my original plan had been to, uh, cure some dry sausages the, in the the style that I grew up with, which is you know kind of a cold smoked and uh, air dried, cold air dried um, sausage, not too dissimilar from really kind of a big slim jim, um, but different and totally better. 
Anyway, I stupidly did not... I, 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 I did not practice with my, my sausage closet before I, uh, before I put my meats in there. And uh, so I put everything in there, and I hadn't really gotten a feel for how long the humidifier would last, how long it would take before the dehumidifier filled up, what have you. Anyway, I, uh, I went out of town for work for a couple days, and when I left, I left kind of kind of uh, slapdick. It, that's how I would describe it. I left in kind of a hurry, um, not you know because I you know it was an emergency or anything. I just you know time got away from me. So when I left, the water tank for my humidifier was about half full, and, and it holds about a gallon of water. And at the time, I think I was holding my sausages at like sixty-five percent humidity. So, I was gone for a couple days, and when I came back, I opened up, well, I, I walked into the shop and I saw that the uh, humidity reading was about, well, let's see, what is it right now? 3.7%, which is about what it was uh, when my ill-fated sausages were in there. And, uh, long story short, my sausages spent a lot of time not in an ideal environment. They, uh... Something happened to them. Um, the, the best way that I can describe it is that uh, they, they got real gritty. Um, and so the, the meat, the meat pieces really dried out and got very crumbly. And the fat kind of rendered out of it. It was, a, it was an awful sight. And I, I tried, I, you know, I, I put water back in and I bumped the humidity, you know, up to 65%, you know, got the humidity back up to 65%, let it hang out. And my hope was that, uh, they could recover and they did not. And, uh, I, I kept trying them and the flavor was terrible. The texture was God awful. And, uh, so I, I abandoned the, the project and I threw away a lot of sausage, which was really upsetting since it's been, um, you know, a lot of time in the woods shooting a deer and dressing it and quartering it and chopping it and grinding it and stuffing it and doing all the other stuff that you're supposed to do. So it was really frustrating. Um, and because of that, I really just haven't, um, I haven't taken on the country ham project. I need to, I want to, my friend that I sent a country ham to is well on his way. He actually sent me a picture. He's about two months into it now. So you know, at this point, maybe I just wait to see what happens with his country ham, and uh, then I'll, you know, if it's good, I'll just follow his recipe. But uh, really frustrating. Uh, just just a real doozy. Anyway, thanks to my, uh, my buddy Adam for reminding me that uh, I had failed and making me face my failures, uh, my failures head on. Um, by the way, I'm back off the wagon, on the wagon, I guess I fell out. okay, so I wasn't drinking, and that was because I had a big race coming up, and I talked about that a while back, I think, um, I did the race, and then once the race was over, I took up booze again, and this evening, I've got what, what I would call, and affectionately, a, a tall and strong, and what that is, is it's all the ingredients for what would go into a gin martini, uh, there's Hendrix gin, and there's, uh, just a little bit of vermouth, and, um, you know, uh, two olives, but, um, 
Well, I, I, I got a little bit of writing to do, honestly, and, and that's, been a, that's been a thing that's been weighing on me, and I find that, that booze uh, helps out a little bit, getting, you know, kind of knocking the rust off, getting the cobwebs off, and so what I've done is I've, I've poured those ingredients into a mason jar. This is a ball mason jar, and I've started drinking, and, uh, you know, getting back to the, the roots of what got started with this podcast, I got a little tipsy one evening and hit the record button. And getting back to writing again, uh, quite honestly, I, I, I've gotten myself a little bit of the writer's block, um, and I, you know, I struggle with this all the time. I feel like uh, I sat down last night and I poured myself a tall and strong, and I drank it down, and I finished my review of the U.S. Optics LR17, which was so overdue that U.S. Optics actually came out with a, a new revised scope uh, since they sent me what was a current model. So um, kind of a, a Sisyphean task. I continued to, uh, you know, I continued to roll the stone up the hill as it were, but it's done now. I finished that review and, you know, uh, a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. So that's one that's knocked off the list, which is great. Now, um, getting back to, to getting back to good, I, uh, I've also found that when I'm, I'm working out regularly, I've, uh, you know, it seems to help center me, seems to, uh, seems to get me, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the groove as it were. So, uh, I've started up a, a new, a new thing. So I finished the run. I did the run. I did the Ragnar relay from, uh, Bastrop, Texas to Lukenbach, Texas. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it. I didn't, it, I had a fun time but it felt pretty unsafe, and, uh, you know, truth of the matter is, I'm a 30-year-old man, uh, there's, you know, there's a lot of downside, not a lot of upside to, uh, you know, to running, uh, you know, on, on backcountry roads in the middle of the night, so, I don't think I'll ever do it again, um, I, I'd be, I'd be open to the concept if it were in a different venue, but it, it just felt real dangerous, and I didn't see a lot of upside to that sort of danger, so, um, Fun, fun times. Glad that I did it. Had you know, got to meet some new people and um, made made some new friends. That's that's always good. But uh, pretty expensive race and, uh, and definitely a lot of potential downside. So now that I'm done with the run, and I don't really like running, even though I ran in college. I was never a distance runner. I was a sprinter, and uh, so I was looking for a, a little something to you know to keep me fit, keep me active. And so I, uh, I, I reached out to a friend of mine who I used to work out with, and I said, hey, what, what should I be doing? You know, I want to I wanna look good naked, and I want to be uh, functionally fit. I want to be able to, uh, you know, go on a hike if I want to, or, uh, you know, carry. Oh, the other day, uh, I took, took the dog, who's right next to me, uh, took the dog on a walk, and uh, the walk is a little bit longer than he was ready for, and he was really dragging ass in the heat. And so uh, I threw him over my shoulder and I carried him, you know, for a little bit until he could get his sea legs back under him. You know, just want to be a functionally fit guy. So he had recommended something called uh, Johnny Wad, which was uh, written a couple years ago by a guy who uh, actually was an NFL player and uh, got into CrossFit and, and wrote the official CrossFit football curriculum, which uh, if you're a, a football player, you want to do CrossFit, that's, you know, the thing that's supposed to help you be the best at football, utilizing CrossFit. Anyway, um, I dabbled in CrossFit a couple years ago. I liked it okay. 
I didn't love it enough to spend a couple hundred bucks a month being a CrossFitter. But um, it got me back into, um, you know, Olympic lifting, got me back into powerlifting, got me back into just lifting, um, which I, I really enjoyed. And I, I fell back in love with uh, squats and deadlifts. Um, and I wanted to do that, but I, I knew that I couldn't just, you know, be a meathead in the weight room and be, you know, what I would call functionally fit. And that is to say, you know, have kind of the gas in the tank to go pick your 75 pound dog up, throw him over your shoulder and walk with him for half a mile. So I talked to my buddy, Ben, Ben said, Hey, Johnny Watt is a, a great thing. You should try it out. I looked through the workouts and I went, man, this is a little too intense for me. Um, I, and I don't have the time to commit to, you know, not 60 to 90 minutes a day of, you know, throwing up in the office gym. So what was great is that that guy has also created a lot of other um, workout programs that are sports specific, lifestyle specific, whatever the case may be. And the one that uh, appealed to me is one called Grindstone. Um, and it's for, and I meant to have this pulled up so that you didn't have to listen to me tap, tap, tap away on my uh, keyboard, but you will now. Um, so Grindstone Training done by Power Athlete HQ, which is great. Uh, grindstone. Uh, do, 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 do. Grindstone is delivered by Trainer Oak, blah, blah, blah. Flex scheduling. Um, that's all great. Tell me more. Um, grindstone delivers five training days each week, affords you the opportunity to plan and adapt your workout schedule around what life throws at you. Your training week will consist of two mandatory days, two recommended days, and an optional day. Your two mandatory days must be completed each week before considering any of the two recommended days. So those are always kind of back-to-back. -back. You should be able to fit in your two recommended days when convenient, unless you're on a plane or in the office with your polished Allen Edmonds firmly planted on the throat of corporate America. This is not a program for the guy who wants a flexible training schedule because of those vital impromptu mock NFL drafts in May. Time's your life and the world's most valuable commodity. Leg Grindstone will help you take control of your workout schedule and get you the strong and powerful body that you deserve. So I was reading through that and I read through kind of the, some of the sample workouts and I realized that uh, if I was being realistic with myself, I was only really able to get in about two to three workouts a week anyway. And four was really pushing it. So uh, something that was geared towards being kind of functionally fit two to three days a week is, is just my speed. Now, um, I'm a realist and I know that if uh, I get called up for a mock NFL draft day, um, I'm going to end up throwing up all over the place, but this is, uh, you know, fits in with my schedule and, and make sure that I'm not, you know, being kind of a, you know, fat tub of lard. So I've been doing it for two weeks now and I really enjoy it. And just, you know, so you guys know, um, my podcast doesn't get enough views or listens or downloads or whatever to even qualify for advertising. So um, I am endorsing this product um, just because I think it's cool. And I wanted to talk about something other than guns and gear and booze. Um, so Grindstone by Power Athlete is a thing that I've been using for two weeks. I really like it. Um, if Four weeks from now, I really hate it. I'll tell you that I really hate it. But so far, it's been really good. In fact, uh, one of the you know the marks of of kind of the success of it is that um, you know I, I've been getting most of the workouts in, and I feel good. I'm sore all the time, which is I think a good thing. In fact, right now it's really hard for me to like wash my hair in the morning because you know my shoulders are just 
on fire. They don't feel like they work. In fact, the walk out to the shop from the house was a little bit of a grind just because my legs are totally dead from some Bulgarian split squats today. Look, all I'm saying is uh, if you're if you're at a place in life where your job is very demanding, maybe your side hustle from your job is very demanding, looking at myself in the mirror there, uh, you got a wife, you got kids, you got kids on the way, you got dogs, you got cats, you got you know, parents who want to see you on the weekend, whatever the case may be, there's a lot of things going on. Um, physical fitness, much like um, a savings account, is the first thing to be kind of cast aside. Um, and that's because, you know, the benefits of, of um, a workout are sometimes not seen for, you know, days, years, decades, whatever the case may be. And similarly, your savings account, um, you know, it's easy to, to not to make a payment to your savings account, a la Dave Ramsey. Because you've, uh, you know, you got something else that you want or you want to see or something like that. Um, what I found is that uh, long-term physical fitness is one of those things where uh, you're really putting, you're putting money into a savings account um, to withdraw at a later date. So um, I've got some things kind of planned for the winter time and I really want to be in shape for those. And, uh, you know, this is a way for me to start uh, banking money in the savings account as it were. So enough about that. Uh, it's been really good, and if it stops being really good, I'll tell you that it stopped being really good, but so far, it looks like it really fits in with my schedule. I feel better. Um, I feel like I'm, you know, getting stronger, I guess. Um, I, I feel like I'm, you know, disrupting my body a little uh, a little bit and kind of, you know, getting out of that office drone cubicle worker grind that I sometimes have. So, all right, on to some other things. Um, totally unrelated. I've also, you know, it's not all, it's not all grind. It's not all grindstone. It's not all work. I found a new television show I really like. There's only three episodes that have come out. It's with Hank Azaria, uh, who has voiced most of the Simpsons characters. Uh, the name of that show is Brockmire. It's on IFC. If, uh, if you thought, like, if you, okay, so the movie Major League with, uh, Charlie Sheen and uh, what's his name? He was this, uh, Tom Berenger. He was the sniper. Um, he's not actually a sniper. He played in the movie Sniper. Um, movie about a you know defunct uh, Cleveland Indians team. If you liked the announcer, uh, the 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 play caller, um, the guy who goes just a bit outside, you're gonna love Brockmire. And Brockmire is about a you know a disgraced uh, baseball announcer. It's a super funny show. I have just been rolling on the floor, uh, quite literally. I, I was on the floor the other day, uh, hanging out with the dog, watching the show, and I started laughing, so I guess I was laughing on the floor. Um, really enjoy it. It's a really good show. Check it out. So, on to the topic at hand. On, on to the cool topics. On to the, you know, on to the fun stuff. Getting back to kind of guns and gun-related things. So... Um, I mentioned earlier that um, I, I, I find that boozing up a little bit, not too much, about what you need to, uh, to bowl a good game. If you want, if you were going down to the rock and bowl, the number of beers, the number of whiskey sodas or Crown and Cokes or whatever you need to start rolling strikes, uh, that's about what I find is, is a good place for me as it relates to getting a little bit of writing done. Now, the other thing that helps, and I hate to admit this because I think it's trash, um, but much like my love of uh, Golden Chick, Chicken Tenders, of the Taco Bell box, whatever that is, 
Taco Bell changes the box all the time. I always order just the box at Taco Bell. Um, life is filled with guilty pleasures, and life is filled with the things that are a little trashy and maybe you don't want to admit to your friends. Um, I listen to the music of Skrillex, which... Uh, two camps here. One of you went, ugh, when you heard that, and the other went, who? Skrillex is... Uh, Electronic noise is what it is. Um, it, it's uh, it, it's club music. I don't know. Skrillex himself is a DJ. He shaves one side of his head. Um, it's really terrible. But through trial and error over the last like five years, I found that universally speaking, if I put on Skrillex and I have one or two drinks, I can write almost anything. Uh, anything that I have to get done, that's a great way for me to get, get it started. So I don't love that Skrillex works for me, but there it is. So, um, if you yourself ever run into writer's block, what I recommend is a little bit, this, this tall and strong is a great place to start. You could also start with rye whiskey. Um, really any of the brown liquors, uh, maybe a couple beers. I, I never really write that well when I've been drinking beer. I feel like I always need to have, um... I feel like you need to have liquor, uh, honestly, to write. Uh, all the greats have, have written on liquor, so I feel like that makes sense. And I put on that gosh darn electronic kid music from Skrillex, and uh, it works every time. If it's not working, I try out Diplo, which is another DJ who makes kind of similar electronic noises. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it just distracts the little rat scurrying around inside my head long enough that I can, you know, vomit my thoughts out on paper, but there it is. Gin and Skrillex, rye whiskey and Diplo. Those are my two, uh, my two bullets in the chamber, as it were, for, uh, for getting a little bit of writing done. So, speaking of writing things and, and speaking of uh, cool, well, I'm about to curse, and I know some of you have said that the language is coarse on this, but I feel like I got to put a little extra juice on what this is. Normally, I would say this is a cool thing. But I think I got to say this is a fucking cool thing. Um, so here's the deal. Uh, last year, I found myself in a place where I had a lot of guns that were on loan to me for review. And the way that this works from the industry side is that uh, companies send me a gun I review the gun. The gun has to go somewhere. Either I buy the gun or I send the gun back to them. So, um, you know, the, the thing that you would probably expect is that uh, there's, there's a great discount on a used piece of merchandise, in this case a gun. Now, the thing about a used gun is it's still a gun. It still works pretty well. So I found myself with, like, a couple, I feel like. Um, and at the time, Vortex had just given me a scope. Um, it was one of the, I think, the Diamondback that I reviewed, and it's a, I don't know, $250 scope or something like that. It's really not even worth the shipping for Vortex to get it back from me um, because it's, you know, it's used. Um, and a used $250 scope is a really cheap scope. So they said, hey, why don't you keep it? Uh, give it away. Do whatever you want with it. Keep it. We don't care. So that was really cool of them. And I called up John Wayne Taylor, who is one of uh, our, our illustrious, one of my favorite writers that writes for T-Tag. Um, if I see, if I get an email from T-Tag that a new article is posted, 
and John Wayne Taylor is the byline. I stop what I'm doing and I read it because I think he's a really good writer. Um, and I, I think he, he, he says what needs to be said and he doesn't necessarily fluff it up much beyond that. Um, the opposite of that, of course, is Joe Grine. Anytime I see a Joe Grine email, um, I save that for later because I want to I kick back and, uh, and read a story. Joe, Joe Grine's always writing good stories. Anyway, I called uh, John and I said, hey, um, I have all these extra guns. Um, do you want them? Is, is this anything that's, that's of interest to you? And that was kind of my go-to is, hey, farm it out to the T-Tag crew. See if anybody's looking for a, whatever I have. Um, and he said, you know, I don't. Got all the guns I need here, but uh, the guys at Veteran Outdoors would probably love to hear from you. And so I called up those guys, and Veteran Outdoors is a 501c3 up here um, in the Austin area, and they take veterans uh, hunting and shooting and fishing and camping and hiking, and um, sometimes they just hang out with them. And, uh, you know, if you were not, um, if you haven't taken time to think about it, um, it's important to understand that. In previous wars, going back to the start of this great country, um, we as a as a country have been fairly accustomed to a uh, a fairly high mortality rate um, in our wars, and and uh, each successive war, the you know the mortality rate seems to go down. Um, so if you look at like a you know uh, the Civil War, where you know literally an entire generation of young men died. Um, and you look at like the Vietnam War, which is atrocious, but I think the, the number there is 30,000-ish um, casualties of war. Uh, you start to move forward into um, our, our later wars uh, and and the, the global war on terror. And um, while I think one life is probably too many um, to lose, the, the number has been very small, relatively speaking. The, the number of, of young men and women who have died um, you know, overseas in service to their country is relatively small um, compared to, to previous engagements, especially you know, when you look at kind of the duration of the, the engagement. Um, and, and that's probably chalked up to a lot of things. I think you know, we're, uh, we're a technologically superior nation, and I, I'm not a war historian, and I'm not even really much of a war buff. Um, but, you know, just kind of thinking about it for more than five minutes, you see that, you know, we're a technologically superior um, society, and we're, we're bringing a lot of force to bear and a lot of good intelligence and blah, blah, blah. Um, we're also really good at combat medicine. Um, and, and if you've ever read any of John Wayne Taylor's stuff about um, being a combat medic, he talks a lot about, uh, you know, the the speed and efficiency with which, you know, uh, you can save a, save a person's life um, in, in combat. And uh, I think, you know, various things that I've read indicate that uh, we're just better at, uh, at, at saving, saving lives uh, in, in combat once somebody's injured. And, and, and injury that in World War II would have been fatal isn't necessarily fatal um, now. Um, and it doesn't result in, in the loss of life there on the battlefield. But what it does result in is a tremendous change in, in that person's life. And um, I, I think you have to be hiding under a rock to not see the, um, 
the issues facing America's veterans today. We have, uh, you know, the statistic that's commonly quoted is uh, something like 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Um, you've got record high levels of PTSD. You've got, um, you know, a, a Veterans Administration uh, that is frankly woefully under-equipped and ill-equipped to deal with the um, number of veterans that have um, various physical and mental scars um, as well as the complexity of those those physical and mental scars. And so um, it's up to groups like Veteran Outdoors and their committed uh, group of volunteers um, to, to make sure that America's veterans are taken care of. And, um, you know, uh, John had said, I think that uh, Veterans Outdoors, and I'm probably going to misquote him here, and so if he's listening, my apologies, John. Um, I believe what John had said was that Veterans Out Veteran Outdoors was the first group of people that showed him upon his return from deployment what a grateful nation looked like. Um, and... Uh, that, that was really impactful for me because um, I'd asked him, hey, why do you volunteer with these guys? Why do you give them a lot of your money and time and ammo and guns and everything else? And he said, you know, they were the, and again, I'm trying to quote him directly, so they were the uh, the first group of people that showed me what a grateful nation looked like. And that really stuck with me. That was very powerful. Um, and so I called the guys at uh, Toby, is the, the coordinator that I work with at, at VO, and I called them and said, hey, I have this gun and the scope, and I've got it all mounted up. It's a, you know, decent hunting rifle. Um, it's, it's nothing special, but, uh, you know, I got a great price on it. Is it something you'd be interested in? They said, yeah, absolutely, for sure. We, uh, you know, we take veterans hunting all the time, and a lot of times we send them home with the rifle that they use. So I think the year that I worked with them, it was two years ago, um, I think they donated 40 or 50 rifles um, to, to various veterans. So um, they have, you know, kind of a, an endless churn of rifles that they're going through. And so I said, cool, man, well, I'll, I'll bring it by. And I reached out to a couple of friends of mine and I said, hey, um, you know, I've got this rifle and uh, I'd like to give it to these guys. Would you mind chipping in on the cost? And uh, the, the outpouring of support was really kind of unexpected. And I ended up um, raising a lot more money than the, the gun was worth, which was great. Um, and so I, uh, you know, paid for the rifle and, um, you know, uh, gave it over to, to VO with a little bit extra scratch um, for, you know, for ammo or whatever they needed. Um, and it felt really good. It felt like, man, I didn't really do a ton, but these guys were really appreciative. And so um, anytime that I've had gear that I've tested and reviewed and a company doesn't want back or they want to give me a great price on, um, it ends up going over to VO, which is, is really cool. Um, so I, um, I've been talking to those guys for a while about going on um, a couple hunts. I, you know, I get volunteer time off through my job. Um, my, my company pays for me to take volunteer time off, um, you know, to, to go, you know, volunteer with 501c3s. And so I had been talking to those guys a little bit about, you know, ways that I could help and um, schedules never seem to align, blah, 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 blah. You know how it goes. Anyway, um, I have a uh, sabbatical through work coming up and it's actually a really cool deal. I'm going to get to uh, take uh, eight weeks off from work, and uh, 160 hours of that time off is a grant for my company. I've got to use it as a volunteer time off, so I've registered 160 volunteer hours, and the other 160 hours is paid out of my bank of, of paid time off, which is a you know cool perk. and allows me to um, unplug, they disconnect my email, they disconnect my phone, 
you know, I'm completely disconnected from, from the company for eight weeks, which is really awesome. So, um, I, I chatted with these guys and I said, obviously, you know, if I'm going to do a volunteer activity, it's going to be with you guys. Let's kind of brainstorm on how we can do this. And so, um, put together a plan for me to come help them with like a week long, um, veterans hunt and, and, you know, camping trip and kind of all that goes along with it. And, um, you'd all basically be, you know, doing hired help work, you know, uh, bitch work as it were, um, you know, gutting animals and, you know, carrying packs and, uh, washing dishes. I mean, whatever the case may be, but I'll, I'll be there and I'll, I'll be helping. Um, and, and so that's a really cool thing. Um, it's a cool thing that my company allows me to do that. And, I, and I'm very appreciative of the flexibility that's afforded to me, uh, to be able to, you know, disconnect for eight weeks and go do something like that. Um, and I'm really, you know, I feel very fortunate to, uh, to, to be working with a, a volunteer group that, um, that helps out like that. So I've got other volunteer time separate from the sabbatical that I can take this year. And I've got like three days off. And so I, um, I wanted to do something, you know, I didn't know what it was, but I called these guys and I said, Hey, you know, I, I can take like three days off. It'd be cool to take a road trip. Um, been looking at the calendar, the guys at Accurate Ordnance, who are my, you know, my gunsmith of choice, they're putting on this, uh, this rifle match in Alabama. I think it'd be cool to, you know, go out there and shoot a match and, you know, I've got guns and ammo and scopes and everything else. Um, you know, I can definitely take a veteran if you guys want. Um, you know, if you got somebody in mind, let's, let's hook up with them and I'll, uh, you know, I'll drive them out there. We'll go shoot for a couple days and, uh, you know, come back figured, Hey, it'll be a, you know, cool time, a little road trip, uh, go shoot some guns, you know, take a little time off from work, kind of everybody wins. And so they were, uh, super receptive to the idea and, and I really appreciated that. And they got me hooked up with a guy named Johnny and uh, Johnny, uh, lost a leg in Iraq in 2009 and, uh, Johnny is, uh, the same age as me it, where he's, I guess a year older. He graduated from high school, uh, a year before I did. And so, um, I went and had a burger with Johnny last week and, uh, we talked a little bit about the trip. So we're going to be going out to, um, uh, I forget what the name of the town is in Alabama, but it's just outside Birmingham. And uh, we're going to go to a precision rifle competition. Johnny's never, he's super into long range shooting, loves reloading his own ammo. He's got guns, got ammo, got optics, loves to hunt, loves to reload, loves to shoot. He's into all, you know, a lot of the same stuff I am. Uh, he's never done a precision rifle competition. So um, I've done one or two and uh, my buddy Jacob is actually going to fly out there and meet us. Um, he's done a couple as well. So, you know, we're going to go shoot a competition, be a fun time, get away from, uh, you know, get away from home for a couple days. So, uh, Johnny lives in San Antonio. He was going to be up in Austin visiting family and said, Hey, um, you know, you got time to have lunch and this is last week. And I said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, went over to hop Dottie, which if you're, uh, if you're familiar with the Austin area is a great burger place and, uh, we're having burgers kind of talking about, you know, talking about the competition, talking about the road trip, talking about whatever. Um, Kinda, you know, we, we got talking about Veteran Outdoors and how he got hooked up with them and, um, you know, what he's been able to do through them. And he's got an incredible story just around, you know, the opportunities that uh, that Theo's been, been able to uh, to bring to him and, and cool stuff that he's gotten to do. Um, and, you know, the, the loss of a limb is not a trivial matter. 
Um, and it, it's, it's a, it's a life altering event. It's a, it's a, it's a life altering event forever and ever and ever. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's a, it's a scar that he will have with him that goes forever. Um, and you know, a lot of people, um, don't deal well with trauma, I guess is maybe the best way to say that. And, um, you know, I'd actually talked to, to John, um, about Johnny just cause he's familiar with him. And he said, you know, the guy's got an amazing positive outlook. He's, you know, nicest guy you'll ever meet, super upbeat, super happy, big time gun enthusiast. Um, you know, he's, he's just a really nice guy. And he said, you know, that it's different from a, a lot of people you'll probably meet doing volunteer work with, um, you know, with veterans. He said, you know, there are some people who are just, um, not yet to the point where they have made the conscious choice to be happy. Um, and, and they want to be sad and they want to, um, you know, they want to wallow in their pain. And, um, you know, I'm not a veteran. I think I, probably as a parent, but it's, it's something that's, you know, worth just kind of stating. And so, um, you know, I, I met Johnny and sure enough, super nice guy, really positive, really upbeat, great smile, super happy. Um, you know, talks, you know, just talks casually, talks openly. He's actually from, uh, from San Jose, California, which is where my wife is born. Um, you know, he and I graduated from high school about the same time. So, you know, we've got, got a little bit in common. We were talking about, um, we were talking about veteran outdoors and how we, you know, kind of got affiliated. And, and, and I told him, you know, kind of the whole story about how, you know, had guns, needed to, you know, find a home for him instead of shipping them back to manufacturers, whatever. And, um, you know, I finally just made a kind of a, you know, confession. I don't think Johnny really asked, but um, I felt like I owed it to him um, about why I really felt compelled to to work with veteran outdoors. And, and like, you know, the charitable organizations that I work with, I mean, it's, it's almost exclusively veteran outdoors. Uh, most of my, you know, time and money that goes to, um, you know, charitable organizations is going to VO. And, um, you know, I'm not a veteran and, uh, boy, I sure don't understand a lot of things about veterans. Um, there's just a, a whole world of life experiences that I don't get, but, um, you know, I, I don't think I'd ever actually verbalized it and, and it felt cathartic and, you know, Johnny's a nice guy and he was, you know, very, um, very accepting and, and welcoming of the, of the statement that I made. But, um, you know, I played Copperhead Road at the beginning of this. And the reason that I played Copperhead Road is because, um, there's a line in there, uh, and it's a great song. It's a great protest song about the Vietnam War. Um, there's, there's a great line in there about how, um, you know, the, the, the protagonist of Steve Earle's song, um, joined up with the military because, um, they, they draft the poor white trash around there anyway. Um, and I grew up in a, a very small, very rural Texas town. And, um, you know, I think, uh, if you weren't going to college, you were going into the military, um, it's kind of the, the mindset. And, um, you know, as an 18-year-old, I really didn't have a lot of critical thinking skills under my belt, is maybe the best, way, the, the most delicate way to put that. Um, but I was at least kind of cognizant of the world, um, and I watched CNN, and I watched Fox News, and I, you know, I, I read the internet, and I, I kept up. 9-11 uh, happened when I was a freshman in high school. Um, and by 2005, when I was graduating from high school, um, you know, we were fully 
invested in uh, in a war in the Middle East. And um, you know, there were a lot of recruiters that came to my very small town, um, and you know, I use the word predatory, and I don't think that's right. Um, I wouldn't say they were predatory. Um, I think that they were offering alternatives to kids um, besides working at the feed store. I guess that's maybe the best way to put it. Um, but I really very much loathed those recruiters. Um, and I, I loathed uh, what they represented. Um, and even at the ripe age of 18, I felt like, um, you know, they were, they were sharks in the ocean, you know, and they were... Um, you know, they were, they were taking kids for a ride. And, you know, uh, two years ago, I guess, I stopped in Dripping Springs on the way home. Um, Dripping Springs is not the small town that it used to be, um, but it's still a fairly small town. And I, was, uh, I stopped at Whataburger, and I was sitting in Whataburger, um, and there was a, uh, a recruiter there uh, eating lunch with, uh, you know, the high school kid and his mom. And uh, happened to be sitting pretty close to him, and I could, you know, kind of overhear the conversation. Um, and uh, the recruiter was basically saying, you know, uh, you, you join up, and you're going to go to basic, and basic's, you know, not bad. Everybody tells you a bunch of stories, and it's not bad at all. Um, and you'll, uh, you know, you'll be making good money, and you can come back here, and you know, you can, uh, you know, you can, you can buy a water burger for your mom, and you can, uh, you know, send a little bit of money home to her, and uh, you know, at the end of it. Um, you'll be you'll be eligible for the GI Bill and you can go to college, and um, you know all that's true, but uh, man, it was just like such a rush of emotions coming back. Um, I hadn't thought about you know recruiters in small towns for a really long time, and um, I, I think I um, I transferred a lot of that like um, kind of anger and angst, you know, teenage angst. It's stupid. It's misplaced. Um, I transferred, I think, a lot of that teenage angst to, um, you know, to the kids from my high school that, that joined up in the military. Um, and I, I saw them as, um, you know, frankly, I saw them as stupid and weak and all the mean things that I think an 18-year-old can come up with. Um, and, you know, meanwhile, I was headed off to college um, at a fancy-pants liberal arts school, um, you know, half on a scholarship and half on daddy's money. And... Uh, you know, I really, uh, I felt very superior, um, to my, to my classmates, um, that were, they were headed into the military and, um, you know, the, the, um, and, and I felt that way all through college, uh, that, that didn't stop at being 18. You know, I felt, I felt that way, you know, I felt that way right, right up until the end of college. And then, um, I got out of college and I uh, started writing for T-Tag, and, you know, guns and veterans go hand in hand, and I started spending a lot of time with, uh, with veterans in the gun industry, and uh, wouldn't you know it, every single one of them was a super nice guy or gal, uh, super well-spoken, worldly, um, really mature beyond their years, and I kind of looked back at myself, and I felt like a real piece of shit, um, for, for lack of a better term, and... Um, you know, I, I realized that, uh, you know, my, my, my colleagues and my friends who had, had gone into the military at 18 when I went off to my fancy pants liberal arts school, um, you know, came out at 22 with a whole different worldview 
a lot more rooted in reality than I did. Um, and it took me probably a little bit too long to, to fully recognize that. And, um, you know, I, I mean, frankly, like I just have a tremendous amount of guilt about the way I felt and probably the way that I acted towards, um, you know, the, the kids from my high school who, and, you know, my hometown who, who, uh, went into the military. Um, and I didn't give them a fair shake and, um, you know, it, um, I don't think I'll ever in my mind square that one up, you know, um, that was, that's petty and shitty and, you know, generally the, the sort of thing that you kind of come to expect from an 18 year old kid. So, um, I don't think I'll ever be able to like fully atone for that, you know, and I, and I have a lot of guilt over, you know, just, just kind of the, you know, real piece of shit I was, um, about that, that time. Um, but I've been, you know, somebody told me a long time ago that it's better to do um, a little bit of something than a lot of nothing. And, uh, you know, working with veteran outdoors, um, I think helps ease a little bit of that, that guilt makes me feel like I'm doing a little bit of something. Um, that's selfish. That's not probably the best reason to be involved with a charitable organization, but, um, damn, but those guys don't do good work. Um, and they, you know, they seem to, to really make an impact. Um, and, and it aligns really well with my lifestyle and it's, I mean, frankly, it's easy. Um, it's easy to donate time and money and resources and materials and whatever else to, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to veterans issues. Um, and, and frankly, my plan for 2017 is to do a lot more of that. Um, and, and it feels good. Um, and it feels right. And, uh, you know, the, the, the impact is right there and it's immediate. So, um, that's kind of the thing that, I, and, you know, to go back to lunch with Johnny, um, that's kind of the thing. And that's a much longer, um, it's a much longer explanation of, you know, probably a more condensed, uh, you know, statement that I made to him, but, uh, you know, I just, uh, I feel like it's important and I feel like, um, I've seen our veterans administration, our, our government really fail our veterans, um, in a lot of very meaningful ways. Um, and I've seen a lot of our, um, members of society kind of fail veterans and, and, and actually like, I, you know, it really bugs me, bugs the shit out of me, honestly. Um, the, Probably more often than not, the first thing that um, people say when I tell them, hey, I won't be in the office or, yeah, I can't hang out that weekend because I'm going to Alabama. I'm taking a veteran with me and we're going to go to a shooting competition. Um, and, you know, I, I have done a little bit of volunteer work with, uh, you know, wounded and disabled veterans. Um, he's a, you know, wounded veteran taking him shooting. Um you know, like the first thing people say that you can see it on their face is like, Ooh, well, it's not going to be like a Chris Kyle thing, is it? Um, which, you know, I'm sure is rooted in genuine, meaningful care, but it's, um, it's a little tone deaf. Um, and it really, I think, uh, paints a lot of veterans in a really poor light. Cause there's a lot of super well-adjusted veterans who, um, you know, have, various physical and emotional and mental scars, um, and if, are doing just fine, doing really great. Um, it, 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 um, there's a stigma attached and, you know, it's a great opportunity for me to do a little bit of education and say, well, actually, no, it's a, 
not like that at all. Um, you know, and that was a tragic thing that happened to Chris Kyle, but, um, you know, he's a great guy and he's, you know, super well adjusted. He's just like you and me. Um, and, you know, look forward to, you know, uh, making a new friend. Um, all that to say, there's, there's a lot of misconceptions. There's a lot of stigmas. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I certainly fell victim to those when I was 18. I fell, fell victim to a lot of misconceptions, a lot of stigmas about members of our armed forces. And it's something that uh, I truly regret. Um, and, and I wish that I could, you know, go back in time and fix it. Um, but I can't. All I can do is, um, you know, work with, uh, with these groups moving forward. So, headed off to Birmingham, Alabama at the end of this month. So, uh, there may be a delay in the podcast but you've probably become accustomed to that. I'm going to be driving over, at, and, and just a small plug. I, I know I kind of spent the first part of this plug-in workout programs and uh, sausage closets and uh, new television shows and whatever, but uh, I'll end on this. So um, I, uh, very selfishly, been trying to, uh, to get into a little bit more uh, writing beyond guns and gear and ammo and gun stuff, right? Um, and I got kind of a passion for, you know, cars and motorcycles and things like that. And I figured, hey, it might be, might be cool to review one. So um, this trip is a great opportunity to do that. What all, what's also cool is just that, you know, because it's aligned with a 501c3, there's some, you know, tax benefits to doing it. Company can get a, you know, a, you know, review out of the deal. Um, it's good exposure. It's kind of a win-win-win for everybody. Um, I took that idea to, uh, well, the marketing departments of every major manufacturer um, of, of trucks in, in these fine United States. And uh, boy, I just heard jack shit in return. Um, just could not get a phone call, could not get an email, could not get anything else um, to go along with it. And, uh, so I decided to go local and I called all the local dealers, um, for those trucks and, uh, I got two, well, let's see. Yeah. I got two, two return calls. Um, I called one of those dealers through veteran outdoors, um, which, which always helps when there's a little bit of a brokered, um, introduction, but, uh, I got a call back from, from one dealer and I'll, I'll, uh, they'll remain nameless. But, uh, basically what they told me was that, uh, they really appreciated the idea They'd love to help me out. They totally think it's a slam dunk deal. Fully validate my idea. But uh, they've had such a backlash from uh, from like the traditional kind of right wing guns, gear, outdoors group um, that they just don't do anything with them. And they said it's been really bad around veterans um, and that anytime they've ever done anything with the veteran community uh, for veterans or otherwise, they've just gotten a ton of pushback. And, uh, you know, thanks, but no thanks, essentially, which I can respect. And I appreciate that they had the, you know, the common decency to, to give me a call back. Um, the other company that called me back, um, and this is after, you know, a kind of a brokered introduction from the, the team at Better Outdoors, who also agreed, hey, it's a cool thing. You can, uh, you know, you can do a thing for you. You can write about a truck. That's awesome. Uh, you can also, um, you know, take a veteran, you know, in a, in a nice new Chevy truck, um, to, uh, you know, to shooting competition. Sounds great. All good across the board. <clears throat> so uh, that dealer, by the way, is Covert Chevrolet, who's a um, locally based Chevy dealer here. Um, and uh, Nick's research indicates that there's about 11,000-ish uh, 
Austin-based readers of T-Tag. So, um, you know, there's there's certainly a, a big market in Austin. Um, I talked with uh, with the guys at Covert, and they were uh, they were super quick to respond to uh, to my call and uh, laid out what I was doing. I said, "Hey, I'm going to this competition. I'm taking a veteran with me. I'd like to take a new Chevy truck." Um, Here's what I can do for you. I'll write a review of the truck. I want to get into writing reviews. We'll put it in a kind of non-typical, um, you know, venue. We're gonna, you know, post a truck review on a gun blog. Uh, you know, it'll be a one of the local editions they do. I believe it's it's called the High Country or something like that. Um, and uh, you know, you guys, you know, benefit uh, veterans and you know, uh, benefit a local writer trying to trying to hustle and grind and you know everybody wins and they said you know what that sounds awesome uh, we got to check on the insurance stuff but uh, we're totally down we're, we're thoroughly committed we'd have, be happy to help you <clears throat> and a day later uh, I got an email say hey um, thanks for all the details we're really excited um, we'll have a truck for you uh, to use got to figure out which one it's gonna be but uh, you know we'll definitely have a truck for you so I, I really appreciate that um, and I appreciate that on a lot of levels one um, I appreciate you know, a company willing to be flexible and willing to take the call um, to hear from a, a writer um, who's pitching them on something they need to do that's going to cost them money. Um, and and I, I appreciate that no matter what the, the company is. And, and I, I really respect that. And I honor that. And, and I, I appreciate it. Beyond that, uh, Covert Chevrolet does a shit ton for veterans in the Austin community. Um, and if you didn't know that, I hope you know it now. Um, so they were more than happy to, uh, to to hook us up here, and, and I really appreciate that. Um, but when I talked to Toby at Veteran Outdoors, um, he said that Covert has done an incredible amount for for veterans in the form of you know uh, like financial donations to Veteran Outdoors. Um, they've loaned those guys trucks and stuff for trips, um, and they've also uh, been kind of the sole source uh, you know provider for. Um, for, for veteran outdoors for uh, for vehicles for veterans um, and so they, they cut veterans incredible pricing on uh, on, on um, you know on new cars new trucks used cars used trucks whatever the case may be um, and they're really enthusiastic about working with veterans um, you know across the board you know what I just appreciate the shit out of that I think that's super cool um, and, and you know what what that is is just that's a that's a, a, sm a small token of appreciation. And I think that's, um, that's what we should all, all strive for. So, um, many thanks to veteran outdoors, um, for being open to, I think my crazy ideas, um, about, you know, how I can use up my volunteer time off, how I can dovetail writing and veterans activities. You know, um, I, I, I feel very selfish in, in a lot of what I'm doing. Um, and those guys, if they feel that way, they've never let me know about it. You know, they really, uh, they've really been very, very cool to work with. Um, many, many, many thanks um, to to Covert Chevrolet for stepping up, <coughs> working with me here and here in my crazy ideas as well, and and being totally committed to. Um, you know, to helping me and helping a veteran, I I really appreciate that. And last, um, I really want to thank um, Johnny for being down to go on a road trip with somebody he's never met, um, to, uh, you know, to go shoot some guns and go to a competition and, and do all of that. I think that's super cool. Um, and a big thank you to John Wayne Taylor for kind of getting me started down that path. Um, 
you know, along the way. John's a, John's a super cool guy. He's one of my favorite people to chat with. Um, he's got a world of experience around him and, and he's a, you know, just a, a cool guy. Um, he's, he's cooler than his writing probably lets on. In fact, um, you know, it's, he's, he's definitely one of those guys that if you ever get the opportunity to meet him, you should. So with that, that's the Tuesday evening podcast for uh, April the 18th, probably to be posted on, uh, on April the 19th because uh, the, the days got away from me. But uh, I hope, I hope uh, you've enjoyed it. Thanks for sticking in for, oh boy, an hour. Um, thanks, for, thanks for hanging in for an hour. Um, glad to be back. I think I finally had something to talk about, so it was worth you know sitting down and hitting the record button. Hope it's, been in, hope it's been enjoyable. I hope you enjoy my review of the USO LR17. Um, you'll see updates in the coming weeks and month or so um, about my trip to Birmingham for uh, for this precision rifle competition and um, a review of uh, a Chevy truck from Covert Chevrolet, which is a, a very cool thing, and I'm honored to be um, a part of that. So thanks for listening to the Tuesday Evening Podcast. Uh, thanks for reading T-Tag. As always, please let me know what you want to hear about, what you want me to talk about, if there's anything that you want me to um, address, discuss, research, whatever the case may be. I'm happy to do it. I want this to be um, a user-sourced um, and user-driven uh, kind of content thing. So uh, thanks again. Enjoy your, uh, your, your cold beverage this evening, and I will see you in a week or two.